This is Nature News from RSPB Scotland. Hello and welcome to our new podcast, Nature News from RSPB Scotland. I'm Stephen McGee. We're going to be bringing you stories about nature, the climate and everything that affects them. And I'm Kate Kirkwood. We aim to keep you in touch with nature as the seasons change. We'll also be keeping you up to date with the work of the RSPB. But we're also really keen to hear from you about why nature matters to you and how it's helping you get through these weird times. You can contact us on Twitter at RSPB Scotland or you can email us at our brand new shiny email address podcast.scotland at rspb.org.uk. So, as the name Nature News would suggest, uh, one of the things that we want to talk about are things that have been happening uh, in nature. And if you follow birdie-type people on Twitter, right, you cannot have missed one big thing, which is an influx of rosy starlings, right? Now, if you haven't seen one or seen a picture of one, they're a bit like our normal starlings, but with an added kind of like pinky panache to them, right? They're pretty glamorous looking. Um, Kate, ever seen a rosy starling? I have to admit, I've never seen one in real life. I've seen pictures online uh, and they look pretty stunning birds, um, but I've never seen one in real life. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm I'm confined to pictures just now as well. It would appear that this is one of these things that periodically happens with all kinds of different stuff. I mean, certainly, I think we'd be familiar with it with like thrushes, you know, like, um, uh, you know, field fears and red wings. You get these big invasions from from Europe. Invasions maybe sound a wee bit Maybe sinister. You know, it's a nice <laughs> like that. It's, it's, a, it's a lovely visit of them. But um, they have been all over Scotland. They've been in Argyll. They've been uh, right up the west coast and even in the Northern Isles. So um, keep your eyes out, I suppose, would be the thing. You know, let us know on Twitter if you see one. Um, the one thing I would say is, is, is let's not let it undermine how great a bird our normal starlings are. They are pretty smashing, aren't they? I do like a starling. I'm pretty keen on... Um, they look pretty unassuming to begin with and they sometimes are that kind of slightly strange noise you hear when you're wandering around in the city but when I see a starling now because I'm aware of how uh, reduced their numbers have been over the last couple of decades I do look at them and go hmm I like a starling their petroly colours and all the speckling in their in their feathers I really do they're one of my favourite city birds, and I do miss them because we don't see them as often as we used to. Yeah, I miss them, and definitely that the, the, you know the story about them and that reduction in numbers is a very serious thing. And and the other thing in their favour, right, is they are exceptional mimics, mm. right? And I I, re- I remember um, a colleague at RSPB sending me a video last year of one that uh, was on a roof near him uh, and had learned to do a perfect imitation of a curlew coat and it was the oddest thing because you're looking at this kind of like suburban roof with Uh a starling on the the tv antenna but the sound (laughs) is like that's quite iconic isn't it yeah it was it was almost (laughs) like it it was it was like a kind of a trolley kind of Mm -hmm. starling i think yeah friends recently told me about one that they have in their neighborhood that does a perfect buzzard (laughs) but it's slightly pitch shifted so it just sounds a bit strange (laughs) <laughs> Weird buzzards. <laughs> now, the other story, um, again, that if you're uh, across uh, nature social media, you cannot have missed uh, recently, is about dogs on leads. Now, mm-hmm. Kate, I'm going to hand over to you in this one because you have recently acquired a lovely puppy. Yes, indeed. Um, so we acquired 
Esk uh, at the very end of April uh, and she is a beautiful uh, Collie Lab Cross. I can um, testify she is she's with us as we're doing the podcast yeah. and she's she's been ever so good. She's been terribly good. She's been bribed with a Kong full of sweet potato <laughs> and kibble and peanut butter so she's very happy. Um, but no she's uh, she's new to me. She's my first dog um, but I'm really grateful that I've got loads of support from friends who are dog owners. Um, so obviously I live in the city uh, but I have access to, to lots of wonderful green spaces um, and as the, the lockdown uh, restrictions are beginning to ease people are beginning to go further afield and uh, take their dogs with them and that's fantastic being able to, to get out in nature and, and take your pets with you um, and it's something that I'm really looking forward to uh, with her soon um, but one of the things that I'm really mindful of is lead etiquette and dog etiquette in general um, obviously in Scotland we're really really lucky to have a lot of um, access to outdoor spaces and that's minimally restricted through the outdoor access code um, but one of the stories that keeps coming up and it comes up every spring every summer is about keeping your dogs on leads in, in, country, in the countryside um, obviously around livestock around other wild animals they do when they're off lead even the best behaved dogs can cause disturbance to wildlife. So we have lots of ground nesting birds in Scotland um, and the birds that nest on the ground have fantastic camouflage and you will see oyster catchers on the beach. You won't see their eggs but you'll see the parents flying off into the sky and making terrible racket. And, and that kind of disturbance is more than just a, a, a small thing of etiquette, mm -hmm. isn't it? I mean it potentially has really serious implications for those birds. Yeah definitely, really serious um, and it's um, I saw a tweet the other day actually about um, a local wetland area that has lots of ground nesting birds and you can see both sides of it. Obviously dog walkers do want to walk their dogs in beautiful places but at the same time you do need to understand their responsibilities and I think it, there's a, it's a heated debate definitely but as a dog owner I think um, you have to understand both sides of it. You do need to be able to protect wildlife and livestock as well. And we should say there's lots of advice on the mm -hmm. RSP web website and elsewhere for anybody. And I think all, you know, that anybody's saying to people mm -hmm. is think about it. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? It's like Absolutely. be considerate, think about it, be aware of the implications of what you or your pet might do, but still get out and enjoy the outside. Definitely. And as well, on to and just to add into that, be fair to your pet as well. They might never have experienced a cow or a sheep or anything like that. And they're going to be curious and they may well want to chase and they're going to be put into a situation where their natural instinct is going to take over so consider that before you take your pets out and uh, really think about what's fair to you what's fair to your pet and what's fair to wildlife and livestock We're recording this on Midsummer's Day, the 21st of June, and summer is very much here. Uh, I'm with Stephen and we're sitting in a beautiful meadow um, just lovely, on the outskirts of Edinburgh. Uh, I can see buttercups and there's clover, it's full of bees, uh, and just it's absolute heaven. Absolute heaven. Uh, but of all the amazing places RSPB Scotland works, nowhere sees bigger variations in light. In Shetland. Now earlier Kate and I caught up with Helen McCreef who manages our work in Shetland to talk about what it's like to experience a full-on Shetland summer. Helen, it doesn't get more midsummery in our patch right than Shetland. What what's it like in midsummer up there? Oh 
Like it can just be beautiful and amazing and atmospheric and uh, and just a. Uh, uh, Magical is what the fuck used to describe us here. Um, we have uh, like a half light here. So on midsummer, the sunrise is about quarter to four in the morning and sunset. Quarter to four. Quarter to four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what time it is doing south when it rises. So, uh, And then sunsets uh, about half past ten. But it never really gets properly dark. So it's um, we, we call this kind of half light the simmer dim. And it lasts kind of through through June and pretty bit into July, uh, so it is really magical. And and uh, with a with amazing wildlife we've got here, it's just it's just a superb place to be. Um, and for me, I've been it's actually quite exhausting as well because it's been a really really long winter. Uh, so you want to stay awake and make the most of the daylight when we've got it. So I'm actually quite blithe when we see the stars coming back uh, later on in the year to actually oh, I can go to bed sleep. <laughs> <laughs> do you find how does it affect your mood and stuff because i don't i don't know with you kate but like in the summer my mood's like no like this time of year it's noticeably yeah. elevated but there is almost like a frenetic quality to it sometimes absolutely there's definitely yeah. a feeling of making the most of it and just like oh my goodness it's late after work right let's get out the front door um, definitely living in the city it's just kind of that sudden thing of like oh, it's late at six o'clock oh, my goodness um, so Helen, is that much more extreme? Do you think where you are? Um, I think it can be, and and I think it's if if you're in tune with nature, then and you, you're sensitive to what the the wildlife's doing. So, um, all of a sudden, it's like all the colours are are coming out. And I was describing it to somebody. It's like this sex and violence because there's territorials, there's singing going on. Look <laughs> about content warning. There's <laughs> <laughs> so much happening, and and you're right. It does feel like frantic, and um, so I love that kind of May time when the birds like we're singing, we're sexy, we're looking good, and then the bairns hatch you. <laughs> We've got to feed, 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 <laughs> and um, and then you've got just so much happening. Uh, it's, it can be a, a pleasant assault on the senses with the the smells and the sounds and everything that you're seeing. So, so yeah, it probably is a bit more intense here. Um, and then coming into sort of, yeah af- after midsummer, then things are calmed down a bit, and there's a bit of a. <laughs> I remember one summer we were in South Ronaldsea. And I went out for a walk the back at 10 o'clock. And the thing that really struck me wasn't even so much the light. It was the sound. It was the fact that it's, it's, it's bedtime, right? It's everybody's normal bedtime. But the birds are still making pretty much as much noise as they were. And, and that really struck me. What, as a soundscape, what's it like? Um, it's... It's lovely eh, when it comes to the evening because you, you will hear the skylarks singing and you will hear the snipes displaying and, eh, and at the moment we've got some corncrakes back in Shetland so, so oh, we'll that's hear great. that yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. But then you've not got the, the air traffic and the, cause, yes we're a sort of islands but it is pretty busy here we sort of see an air traffic and, and, and the roads so it's, it's quieter eh, with the human noise so it's... Um, yeah, it's pretty special. And then of course we've got all the sort of seabird colonies here and a eh, uh, anybody who's experienced the sins of a, a seabird colony, it's just um, well, it's just brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every yeah. time of day. And, and with the seabird colonies as well, like, do you find like if you go and visit them when it's still, as Stephen says, kind of bedtime, are they still very active until quite late on? Then. 
Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the wildlife here, Max, most of the daylight for, for what they can see to, to go and feed and come back. It's not just obviously the, the wildlife that's affected by all this. It's it's us as people too. How 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 does this affect the RSPB's working ship? Um oh it's it's very so we can we've got a lot going on just now we census works uh, to in place. So we've got um the seabird census in its final year and uh, we're doing a Wimbledon census as as well. So some birds you have to monitor them at particular times of the day. But fortunately, Fimbril, you can you can just do it throughout the daylight, um, so it can be really long days. Um, and a, I think we're all out, we're all into the RSPB because we we love wildlife. So we're doing our working day, and then we're uh, fitting in our non-working day, which is generally being outside and really enjoying the wildlife that's around us. So um, so it affects our work, it affects our personal lives, and it's um, but all in a very sort of positive way as long as we remember to sleep. <laughs> when we're in the middle of the summer like you're talking about there's this kind of freneticism you know but also this kind of excitement and and all that kind of stuff for, for you working in nature how important is it for you to feel connected to that seasonality and that and that change it's just a very much a part of my life and I think everybody that's here it's it's a so it's just intrinsic would you say it's not important it's just we are nature <laughs> so we're, we're very very connected to it as well so yeah it's mega important and so something that I missed that we haven't been able to do this year is, is sharing nature with, with people during the summer. And it's a, there's something that I describe as puffin face. Uh, so when you're up somebody ahead and you see somebody lighten up because they've just seen a puffin at close hands. And and it's just a really beautiful and rewarding thing to experience other people enjoying nature. And, and we're really looking forward to this COVID restrictions ease that we can, um, so it helps share people, it helps share nature with more people as, as we go along. Brilliant. Well, listen, Helen, thank you so much for sharing all that with us. It sounds amazing. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Come and can't see wait, us. Can't <laughs> wait to make it up all the way up. I've actually, I have to admit, I've never been up to Shetland. <gasps> it's shocking. Shocking. It's but, uh, no, it's I, I do do plan on getting there at some point once once restrictions have eased. You're very welcome. <laughs> And I'm already planning that trip in my head. Now, just a reminder, there's loads of video, blogs and other good stuff on our social feeds, RSPB Scotland on Twitter and RSPB video on YouTube. Now, one thing you can see there is a video I made with a 10-year-old birder from Aberdeen called EE. She is super, and I, I do mean super enthusiastic, and she's a mean photographer as well. Here is a flavour of what she had to say when I went to visit her at her home. Why birds? What is it about birds, do you think, that, that, that interests you? Uh, well, they have very beautiful plumage and they can also fly, which I find is quite interesting because most animals can't fly. Sometimes I'm a bit frustrated because there's nothing to see and Sometimes I'm very happy because I found out that uh, a species of birds is in our garden and I never ever actually knew that it was here before. Like when I discovered the chaffinches. And which ones are your 
which ones are your favorites and why? I don't know. I usually like the birds that nest in our garden because they're so cute. Their chicks are always very cute. And so far we have a blackbird nest fledged uh, a week ago. We also have a robin nest which fledged a year ago. It's very nice when you see the birds. It's sort of like those are my birds sort of feeling. And they're super cute. Uh, there's a house sparrow over there. <laughs> oh, it's right there. Yeah, I could take a picture. So tell me about like going to the group and the RSPB side of it and the, the, the you know the RSPB volunteers and stuff. What what have you been doing there and how has that helped? Um so we often go on to the outings and we often see a whole load of birds. And there's like so many birds. Like on this camera I have pictures of bullfinches and and uh and we also saw a little egret before which is very rare but like I was just like okay taking this very very cool picture battery has run out of charge seriously <laughs> and is it nice when you go on those outings like there's people there who obviously have got quite a lot of experience yeah. tell me about that so I'm usually the only child there and we often have quite a lot of chats about what birds you see here and and where they like to hide and so on and so forth. I think one of the things that's interesting about you, right, is is that you're a bit the same as me, right, when I was your age. Because I, I got very interested in birds when I was about nine or ten, right? I got interested in birds when I was seven. When you were seven? Oh, well, you're well ahead of me then. Right, okay, you're winning. But just kind of out of nowhere, there wasn't like it wasn't nobody else in my family was interested in birds it was just like I just started getting books at the library and got really interested right it's one that I think it's one of the nice things about it isn't it that you can just it's something there's always more stuff to learn yeah you know tell me tell me like where you think you might go next with it mm, I'm thinking of trying to track down kestrels and kingfishers because I've always I've because they're both birds I have seen from afar before, but I've never got close enough to see what they actually look like. Do you think there's a whole lifetime of birding waiting for you after that? Uh, I like doing other stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, right? Stupid question. So one of the things for me, obviously, talking to Ee was, you know, made me think about how I got into uh, nature and uh, wildlife. And a weird thing for me was, like, nobody else in my family was really particularly interested. I mean, they were they were very tolerant of having to go places with me to look for things, but um, it kind of came out of the blue. A lot of it was going to the library and getting books out and reading about it. How was it for you? Um, I was really privileged to kind of grow up in a family that had uh, lots of interest in the natural world and to be taken to places where there was lots and lots of nature. Um, my mum's family uh, and that side of the family uh, very into the outdoors and spent a lot of time um, going on family walks and, and spotting things. Everyone knew what everything was called um, and could identify things. Um, so I've got a, a really strong family memory of uh, going on a walk, I can't remember how old I was, 
under the age of 17 maybe and uh, we're traveling in convoy of about five different cars and uh, I just remember stopping at random roadside <laughs> various people getting out of the car and clambering through a ditch to get crab apples like wow. and then we went back and made crab apple jelly so it's kind of those things that, that kind of were normal in my family. Yeah, um, it's, it's about it's, it's about being exposed to things in the course of your normal life rather yes. than it being a special thing. Yeah, absolutely. Do, right? But um, I was also really lucky to, to kind of witness um, the things that my grandfather did. He was really into painting and um, he would collect the caterpillars of different moths and different butterflies um, and he would raise them at home on their kind of parent, their their. Um, their main food stuff uh, and they would uh, form into their chrysalises and then as they emerged from their chrysalises uh, he would paint them um, wow. and so the house was full of lots of paintings and, and little sculptures and things like that um, so it was in a really privileged position to, to witness people kind of really taking in nature and, and kind of exploring it and uh, naming things so I've got a real thing about naming things I quite like naming things <laughs> I mean we should say I mean as I say, my family was very tolerant, but actually the place where, in a lot of ways, I had that experience that you're talking about mm. was going to my local YO Secret, right? You, yeah. you know, shout out to anybody who was in the Young Ornithologist Club before it was called Wildlife Explorers, right? Um, and super enthusiastic adults who weren't in my family, but who mm -hmm. nevertheless were able to perform that function where they could, you know, say, oh, you know, that's a bar-tailed goblet, you know, or that's a dunlin or whatever, and, yeah. you know, you get, get you through all that kind of stuff. Um, so I suppose... The thing is that there's lots of ways to get Absolutely. engaged with nature. You know, if your family's super into it, that's great. If your family isn't into it, you know, RSPB and other organisations can offer you lots of support. Um, and really, I suppose hope, what I'm hoping that people, when they watch the video with EE, take out of it is that kids anywhere can get super enthusiastic about this stuff and there's loads available to them to help with it. Definitely, definitely. And the thing is as well, um, if you're interested in it, someone else will be interested yeah. in it. And it's just finding them and making that connection. And I think through RSPB and through other organisations similarly, that's where young people particularly can make those connections. Um, whether it's about nature, whether it's about climate change, all of those things. Um, but you'll always be able to learn something from someone you meet. Absolutely. Well, that's it for this week. We hope it's been worth a listen. And don't forget that we want to hear what you think. You can get in touch with us at RSPB Scotland on Twitter or on our brand new shiny email, which is podcast.scotland at rspb.org.uk. Uh, what should we be covering? What nature news do you have and how did we do? I mean, be kind on that last one, but you know, yeah. within reason. Anyway, until next time, goodbye. Bye. Bye.